Are we excited to be here this morning? Wonderful. I'll tell you, uh, those were just two adorable children. I love, I love baby shoes. They're just, they're just cute. There's just nothing. There's just no two ways around. I, and I think baby gym shoes are probably the best because they're not using them, um, but they're just, they're just adorable. And so we're so happy to be part of this celebration with your families and uh, an opportunity to dedicate them and such. And so that's a, a wonderful wonderful privilege to participate in the life of a child as they are dedicated to the Lord. I think, uh, and now you, you may be aware of this, you might not be aware of this, um, I started in ministry as a children's pastor. And uh, actually, I started it, serving in ministry when I was 12 uh, in a fourth grade Sunday school class. And so I was in sixth grade helping in fourth grade. Uh, and then from there, they moved me to the uh, two-year-old's class. And then I went to the four-year-old's class, back to the two-year-old's class. Uh, and then I spent uh, most of my time in kids' church. Uh, so I've been working with kids uh, for a long, long time. And uh, I'll tell you, I think uh, it is one of the most important ministries in a church. Just imagine the opportunity that you have as you serve in children's ministry. You might be the first one to tell that child that Jesus loves them. You might be the best opportunity they have that week to show them God's love. Children's ministry from nursery all the way through kids' church, through rangers and impact, that is uh, one of the ways that we are going to grow our church is by making kids and families a priority. And so would you join with me as we uh, celebrate the dedication this morning in praying for a harvest of young families and of children, and that we would see an abundance and that we would continue to minister to these vibrant lives and that we would help shape the path for these children and these families and we would support them and come around them. If you've had kids, you can understand, it's hard sometimes. We had, we had the company over, we had Pastor Joe and Yvonne and their spouses over last night, and uh, Bennett did really good. Uh, we, were there for, we were there for a couple hours, but after about an hour and a half, the sugar kicked in. And so, because we, you know, Heather made two kinds of desserts, and then uh, Pastor Joe and Allison brought dessert, and then Yvonne and Wendell brought dessert, and so we had plenty of dessert. And it kicked in after about an hour and a half, and Bennett just, at one point, just starts running through the house screaming. Uh, and it's not like, man, it's just high-pitched screaming what a three-year-old does. And so uh, if you have kids, you understand there are times that you need people to help. And we as a church have an opportunity to come alongside and help and partner with parents. And so uh, we believe in the value of children. And so uh, that's one of the things I think we're going we're gonna to really focus on and help uh, make us uh, continue to help grow us into a wonderful place for families. Amen? Amen. Well, hey, I did want to highlight uh, the connection reception for 55 plus, and I wanted to make sure that you understand there was not a sign up. And so if you didn't sign up, don't worry, no one did. Uh, and so we want you to come. It'll be over in the, um, the Joy Center, and so it'll be immediately following service. We have light refreshments. I say light refreshments so you're not coming expecting lunch, but it also gives you the assurance that we're not going to go long. Um, because uh, after church, man, you, you want to you wanna have a rough meeting you, you uh, prevent people from getting lunch, okay? So we'll, I just want to have the opportunity to, to greet uh, our 55-plus. Our I, I, don't, I don't really feel good calling 55-plus seniors 
because they say 50 is the new 40, which means 60 is the new 50. And so uh, old, my dad told me when he turned 50 that 60 doesn't seem as old as it used to. Now, my dad will be 70 this year. And so uh, I, I wonder if 60 seems as old as it used to now that he'll be 70 this year. Probably not. And so it, it, I just feel bad when you say 55 plus and we automatically call them seniors. Um, because uh, if you're in that category, you're like, I don't think I'm a senior. Right, and so uh, we just we'd love to have an opportunity to greet you, talk with you a little bit, uh, and just uh, share the heart of where we uh, feel God is leading us. And so please join us. Uh, we'll be it'll be less than an hour, I promise. I'll, I'll, I'll commit, they'll, we'll keep to that. But I'd love to have a chance for you to meet uh, my wife and Bennett, and uh, just to get a chance to talk with you. We have Maribel's taking care of the refreshments, and so it'll be over in the the Joy Center immediately following service. I did want to also mention um, last week we announced about Easter. That's coming up, just coming up quick. It's just a month away. Isn't that amazing? A month away. And our, our sermon series is going to be Love on the Line. And uh, so next week, we will have invitation cards for you to take to share with your friends and your family because we would love to have you invite. How many of you would love to see this place filled wall to wall? Yeah. Yeah. And so in order to do that, you are going to have to be inviting people. Last week we talked about, here I am, Lord, send me. And so uh, I want you to be our, our, our hands and our feet mobilized, inviting them to come, inviting folks to come and be a part of what God is doing here. And so next week we'll have invitation cards for you. Um, are you excited about what God is doing? Okay, well, let's try that again. Are you excited about what God is doing? Amen. Amen. Well, if you were on Facebook this week with us, you saw our, our new sermon series, Life is a Journey. Over the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about uh, different lessons from the road. You know, there's a lot of traveling in the Bible. They walked everywhere or they rode a donkey. They did not have the convenience of what we do today. Uh, although, you know, in driving in Lakewood, a donkey might be safer. Right? Right? Yeah, and so I, uh, I, do, I enjoy cycling uh, when, I, when I can and I've, I've got, I found a, a, a map. There's a, there's a website, the New Jersey Bike Map. Uh, this, this guy has, has created a website that has literally all of the roads in New Jersey. And they've classified them by, by safety and by uh, danger and by traffic and what times you can. And so it's, it's just a big group project. And I was reading some of the warnings on, um, on the website. And the first warning is, warning, New Jersey drivers are aggressive. And so, uh, say so they will have no problem running you off the road. And so it makes me a little nervous to try and do any biking uh, around here. And so um, I might have to find myself a, a safer place. I might have to go to Virginia to bike. Um, but, you know, life teaches us a lot of lessons on the road. And maybe you're, uh, you're at a place right now in your life, you're going, I don't know how I got here. Have you ever had that moment? You know, this is not how I envisioned my life when I was 10 years old or 20 years old, or 30 years old. We all have those moments where we stop and reflect and we go, I'm not sure how I got there. Heather and I, were having a, we ha we've had this conversation. We, we, we talked about, people ask, how are you enjoying New Jersey? And I'll be honest with you, never in my life did I think I'd end up living in New Jersey. Am I unhappy? Not at all. But see, never in my life did I think I'd live in California. And that worked out really well for me. That's where I met Heather. I think that's why I went to California. Actually, I think God uh, took me to California for two reasons. One, to meet Heather, uh, and the other one, he was rewarding me for my time that I uh, lived in Minnesota. 
And so uh, it was one of those things that I just, when, when I graduated high school, I knew I was going to go into ministry. Um, my goal, I had two goals uh, when I went to Bible college. I went to Bible college in Minneapolis at North Central University. Uh, and so I, uh, my goal was to finish as quickly as possible and then move back to Ohio. That was, that was my goal. I wanted to go back home. I, you'll find that people that are from Ohio are strangely proud of their state. Uh, we, I love Ohio. I'm an I'm a, I'm Ohio guy. So we already established this, but we'll make sure it's clear since we're talking about football this morning. Uh, Cincinnati Reds, Cincinnati Bengals, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Okay? Those are my sports teams. And so if you're looking for memorabilia, so I like Pastor Joe because his, his brother lives in Columbus. And so Pastor Joe shows up periodically in Ohio State outfits. And we're like, that's great. I, I love this, this, this not, not, not outfits, it's not, he's, he's, not like, he's not wearing a jogging suit, but he's, he came, you know, came in a, 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 a sweatshirt the other day, Ohio State, I'm like, man, yeah, that's, that's, you're speaking my language, that's the first words Bennett could recognize, what's that say, Ohio State, good job, buddy, good job, and so, you know, I, I never imagined when I went to Bible college that I would end up in New Jersey, my goal was to finish as quick as I could and get back to Ohio, and maybe you're like that, you didn't think you would be where you are at right now. And it doesn't matter how old you are. You could be 15 going, where in the world am I? Why does God have me here? You could be 55 going, how did I get to this spot? Because, you know, on the journey of life, there's all sorts of unexpected things that happen. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're bad. Us moving to New Jersey was an unexpected thing, but we believe it's a good thing. We believe it's a God thing. We believe that God is doing something and he's called us here. That's a lot easier to accept when you're go- than when you're going through a hard time and you have no idea what is happening. Man, I don't know how you've dealt with, with challenges on the road. Sometimes they stall us completely, don't they? Just stop. And you stay there. Have you ever met somebody, they've had the same problem in life for the last 20 years? I don't know why the world's against me. And they go through this cycle. Then others, they just kind of, living in Minnesota, that's an interesting experience. Minnesota, they've got a phrase, it's called Minnesota nice. Minnesota nice, it's when they're embarrassed for you. Right? And so you could have like a big chunk of marinara sauce on your cheek, and they're not going to say anything to you. They're going to let you walk around. They'll just be all embarrassed for you. So you get people that they just kind of plow through the problems without really talking about it, right? That's the Minnesota nice. It's the, the this is just how it is. It's, they're, they're kind of like, anybody, anybody in here a Star Wars fan? Okay, Flo, I like you even more. All right, so, all right, that's, that's good. Star, I'm, I'm a, all right, so I was talking to Ellen a couple weeks ago, and I made too many Star Wars references in one conversation, and she said, you're a nerd. And that's a true story. It really is. Uh, and so it's like C-3PO on their, when they, they land on uh, Tatooine, he goes, we just seem to be made to suffer. And some people think that's their lot in life. We're just made to suffer. I don't know how you deal with challenges. I don't know how the road of life has shaped you. But have you, have you noticed that over the season of your life, as you're going through this journey, you start to evaluate everything through that lens of your experiences, through that lens of, well, this is what happened before, 
So this must be what's happening now. And sometimes wisdom comes through that, but other times wisdom is actually uh, masquerading as uh, cynicism. This is just how it is. But today I, I want to share a little bit about um, a lesson from the road that we can learn that God has a plan for you. God has a plan for you. And sometimes as we go through the ups and downs, we can forget that we're not just here to exist. We're here for a purpose. We're here for a reason. God has a reason. And the other thing that we can sometimes make the mistake of on the road of life is we can run into a bad thing and go, what is God doing here? Do you understand that sometimes bad things happen? And I want you to understand this completely. I, I, I genuinely, this is in just the heart of what I believe. God does not cause bad things to happen to you. God does not cause bad things to happen. Does that mean bad things don't happen? No. But understand, we live in a fallen world. Sin and death entered the world through disobedience to God. That is why bad things happen. Because God's pure and perfect plan was changed in the garden. Could God just go boom and fix it? Well, he could. But he wants us to come to him on our own. He wants us to come to him as part of our own free will. So we can sometimes see all the bad things in life and go, God, why are you doing this to me? But I want you to understand, that is not God's plan and purpose for your life. The challenges and difficulties, God can use those. God will use those to shape you, to guide you, to mature you. Man, the process of maturing, that's hard, isn't it? Oh, when you can't just run away screaming because you're not four anymore. That's hard. But I want you to understand, in the road of life, in the journey that we're on, the bad things that happen to you, they can be opportunities for us to hear what God is doing. So if you have your Bible with you today, please open it up to uh, the book of Numbers. When was the last time you heard a sermon out of Numbers? Book of Numbers, chapter 22. One of my favorite, uh, was one of my favorite Old Testament stories. I like the Old Testament. I like the Old Testament. There's, uh, you'll, so you'll, you'll hear me. I actually had a pastor one time I was working for in California. He looked at me and goes, you really like to preach out of the Old Testament. And I hadn't really noticed it, but all of the sermons I had preached to him uh, to that, at the church were out of the Old Testament. I just think there's some wonderful, wonderful stories for us to learn from. And so this one, we're going to start in verse 21. Uh, it's it's uh, the story of Balaam and his donkey. Now, you might not be familiar with Balaam. I'm going to kick that out of the way because that's about the fifth time I've kicked that. And so uh, Balaam was a prophet. Now, he was not a prophet of God. Balaam was kind of like um, a for-hire prophet, okay? And so that was not a, an unusual thing in the, in the Old Testament times. Uh, and so he did not serve God. He actually served a multitude of individuals. That, and so he would be somebody that just like, I'm just spiritual, and so he, uh, he was hired by a king, one of the Moabite kings, and you might not uh, be familiar with the Moabites, but the Moabites were a constant uh, thorn in the Israelite side. And he was, he was hired 
to put a curse on the people of Israel. Now, in, when you read in verse uh, chapter 22, you do see that Balaam refers to uh, my Lord, my God, talks about God as if he were his Savior. But the reality is, Balaam was not a follower of God. He was just kind of there. He was just somebody that, it's, you know, God can still use a heathen, right? God, God can still use a heathen. This is a great illustration here. So let's look at, uh, starting in verse 21, we'll just read it and then we'll go back through it a little bit. Uh, Balaam got up in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the Moabite officials. But God was very angry when he went, and the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. Balaam was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in hand, it turned off the road into a field. Balaam beat it to get it back on the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood a narrow path through the vineyards with walls on both sides. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he beat the donkey again. Then the angel of the Lord moved on ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn, either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it lay down under Balaam, and he was angry and beat it with his staff. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth, and it said to Balaam, What have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? I think verse 29 might be my favorite one. Balaam answered the donkey, Okay, this is why it's my favorite one. It doesn't say anything about Balaam being astonished that his donkey talked to him. It doesn't say Balaam flipped out in response to his donkey. It just said, Balaam answered the donkey. If my dog starts talking to me, we're going to have a problem. Balaam answered the donkey, you have made a fool of me. If only I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. The donkey said to Balaam, am I not your own donkey, which you have always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? No, he said. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed low and fell face down. The angel of the Lord asked him, Why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I have come here to oppose you because your path is a reckless one before me. The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. If it had not turned away, I would certainly have killed you by now, but I would, but I would, sp would have spared it. Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I did not recognize you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now, if you are displeased, I will go back. The angel of the Lord said to Balaam, go with the men, but speak only what I tell you. So Balaam went with Balak's officials. And when Balak heard that Balaam was coming, he went out to meet him at the Moabite town in the Arnon border at the edge of his territory. Balak said to Balaam, did I not send you an urgent summons? Why didn't you come to me? Am I really not able to reward you? Well, I have come to you now. Balaam replied, but I can't say whatever I please. I must only speak what God puts in my mouth. Here's the first thing I want us to see, and this is a lesson from the road that Balaam was on. This is a lesson I think we could all understand. Here is what I want us to understand. God wants your attention. 
God wants your attention. Think about it. Balaam was on this road, and his donkey began acting strange. What was his response? He tried to kill the messenger. The donkey was more sensitive spiritually than Balaam was. Have you ever had somebody put in your path that said, you know, I'm not sure you're doing the right thing. And you get mad at them. Just support what I want to do. I know what I'm doing. I'm going okay. And we get mad at them. Have you ever held a grudge against somebody that didn't agree with one of your decisions? We all have, haven't we? We all get mad at times. But if we're like Balaam, it's because we're not looking with spiritual eyes. This donkey had to remind Balaam. What do you have to remind him? Aren't I a good donkey? I'm a good friend. I've never done this to you. Really, Balaam should have been thanking the donkey for saving his life. We have to be careful when we're on the road to life. Life is a journey. But we have to be careful that when things get on our ways, we, we don't just see them as hindrances to jump over, knock down, beat up. Sometimes it's a warning and a roadblock with a purpose. Sometimes we run into a problem and we say, I just have to get more creative with the solution. Let me ask you, how many decisions have you started and you moved into it and you hit a roadblock? And you said, I know this is what I'm supposed to do, but you haven't even prayed about it yet. We get in our mind what we're supposed to do. But does that mean it's exactly, or it's actually what God is calling us to do? He wants your attention. God is trying to get your attention even today. He wants you to see what he's doing in your life. He doesn't want it to be a great mystery. Now, he might not show you the end of where you're going, but he does want to have your attention. And that's really what the donkey did for Balaam, is that it gave Balaam pause so that God could get his attention. Too many of us are just willing to barrel on through without pausing to see what God is doing. We see a negative thing. We see something that we don't like that doesn't let us do what we think we're supposed to accomplish. And we go, well, I must press through. I must push on. And perhaps really what we should do is pause. Turn our attention to God and say, Lord, am I missing something here? Have you, just, have you had that where you just seem to hit a roadblock? At every single intersection. Have you ever heard the phrase, whenever God closes, or closes the door, he opens a window? That's bad theology, by the way. Do you know where that comes from? It comes from the sound of music. Mother Superior said that. Sometimes God's causing you, or calling you, to wait. Because those that wait on the Lord 
straight. Jesus said, I never do anything that my Father doesn't direct me to do. But how many of you have ever heard somebody say, well, God can't steer a parked car. You better get busy. You better get moving. And before you know it, you're 20 miles down the road in the wrong direction. But you were moving. You were making good time, right? Sometimes the best thing you can do is wait. Just wait. Now, if you're like me, you don't like waiting. Waiting is not fun, is it? It's disconcerting. You're going, God, what's going on? What should I be doing? Why am I here? We like action, don't we? We want to be busy. We want activity. Yeah. God's trying to get your attention. God wants your attention. Why does he want your attention? So that you can hear what he's saying. So you can hear what he's doing. Because the reality is that he's calling you. God is calling you to something. How do I know he's calling you? Well, Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, 11, maybe you're familiar with this. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and to not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. When are some of the times you feel the greatest despair? When you don't hear God. But we get so busy, we get so active, we get so frustrated when things aren't going the way we're going, we continue to press and push and we are going to make something happen by sheer force of will. And when we do that, we're much like Balaam beating the donkey and we miss God calling. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Do you know how many hopeless people there are in this world? They're hopeless because they're walking through life on their own power. That's one of the challenges of our, uh, of our great country is that we value this idea of the self-made man or the self-made woman. How many of you have ever watched Shark Tank? I love Shark Tank. It's fun, right? One of the things that they emphasize uh, on the intro to the show is that these are all self-made millionaires and billionaires. Boy, they're living the American dream. But see, in, uh, in the Christian world, We don't pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. I didn't save myself. I can't do anything on my own. The only transformation I want to experience in life is when I rely on God to change my life. And that's what God was trying to get Balaam's attention for. He was saying, listen, I'm right here. I've got a plan for you. Balaam was not a follower of God. Remember that. Remember that. But God still had a hope and a plan for him. Isaiah chapter 43. Or 40, yeah, I'm sorry, let me get here. Isaiah 43. It says, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. 
When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for you a ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead, since you are precious and honored in my sight. And because I love you. I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. I have summoned you by You are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you. He's talking about in the journey of life, those trials, those challenges, those things that we face. The Lord is with us. He goes before us if we let him. But too often we try and get ahead of him. Too often we want to run in front of God and say, God, this is where I'm going. Come along with me. And before we know it, we find ourselves out in the middle of a murky, mired mess lost and alone, feeling abandoned and feeling as though God has left me here when in reality, we left God. We walked off the road he had planned for us. He's calling you. The question today is how will you respond? How will you respond to the call. The, da- the angel of the Lord said to him, why have you beaten your donkey these three times? Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I did not realize you were standing in the road to oppose me. And then the angel tells Balaam, continue on the road you were going on, but you will only speak what the Lord tells you to speak. How will you respond to the call? Balaam didn't know God as his Savior. He recognized God as being in existence, but he recognized multiple gods. How will you respond to the call? Today, the baby dedication is such an an important part of life and when, I, when we do baby dedications, I always think of Samuel. I love the story of Samuel. Uh, perhaps you're familiar with it, perhaps not. Samuel's mother had been barren for years, and she made a promise to God that if you give me a child, I will dedicate him to you. And Samuel was given to the temple at a very young age. And Samuel was a replacement for Eli's own sons. Eli was the high priest at the time, or the priest at the time, and Eli's sons were, were not upstanding men of character. Actually, so much so that God did not allow them to follow in their father's footsteps. And it actually hindered Eli's own ministry. But Samuel was dedicated to the Lord at a young age and given to the temple for Eli to raise as a priestly replacement. And when Samuel was given and called, there was a very important thing that happened in his life. He's asleep one night. He's in bed. And he hears a voice, Samuel. 
And so Samuel, being the obedient servant that he is, gets up and goes to Eli's chambers and says, yes, my master, what, what can I do for you? And uh, he probably didn't say, what can I do for you? I mean, gets up there. And Eli says, I didn't call you. He said, oh, I heard you. He says, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And so Samuel goes back to bed. And again, he hears Samuel. And so he, Samuel gets up and goes to Eli and says, yes, what can I do for you? And Eli goes, I didn't call you. Okay, so you guys heard that too. That's good. I didn't call you. A third time it happens. And Samuel, or Eli realizes what's happening. And he says, the next time you hear that voice, say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. But how many times is the Lord trying to get your attention? trying to share the call that he has for your life. And we say, not right now, God. I have my own plan. Not right now, God. It's not convenient for me. Let me beat the donkey that's trying to get my attention. Let me try and push through the walls without asking if God wants me to be on the other side of this wall or not. He's calling you. He's trying to get your attention. He wants you to turn to him first. He wants to speak and wants you to respond, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. But on the road of life, maybe you've learned a different way of doing things. On the road of life, maybe you've learned that it only happens if you make it happen. You've learned that things don't quite go the way you want them to unless you push it. Pushing is not a spiritual activity. Pressing into the Lord is. Trusting Him in faith, that's a spiritual activity. But pushing things out of your way just because it's easier for you is not a spiritual activity. And we have to be so careful. Are we listening with spiritual ears to what God is saying? Are we hearing the Lord speak to our lives? And this is a message of encouragement today because I want you to understand something. Sometimes we can go so far down the road that we think there's no way God has any hand in my life. But I'm here to tell you that he has a purpose for your life today. It literally does not matter how far off course you've gotten. You always have the opportunity to come back. You always have the opportunity to respond. You always have the opportunity to say, Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. But you have to make the choice to respond to that call. Imagine if Balaam had just continued to beat that donkey even when it started talking. His story wouldn't have even made it into the Word of God because he would have been killed at that moment in time. He's trying to get your attention today. This really is a one-point sermon. 
He has a purpose for your life. This week I was um, emailed a, a prophetic word, which I, um, I don't know where you stand on gifts of the Spirit. Um, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the move of the Holy Spirit. And uh, the word that was, was shared, I think it was good confirmation for the message today. Here's what it said. It said, I'm not looking for religion. I'm looking for a personal and intimate relationship with you. Stop crossing your T's and dotting your I's when it comes to the man-made rules that make up a specific religion. All I want is your love, devotion, trust, and worship. Trust in me at all times, for I am in control. Seek my will for your life and see what I will do. I am so much more than you think I am. What I can do is more than you couldn't imagine. I have great plans for you, but it does require that you do what I am instructing you to do, or it will not happen. Hebrews 11.40, God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Reflect on my words. Spend time with me in your secret place, and I will reveal to you your calling and job I set up for you. I'd written a sermon before I even received that word. Uh, I really genuinely believe that's the word for today, that God has a purpose for you. And the message of encouragement is this. It's not too late. That purpose is still there. That purpose is still yours. God is calling. How will you respond? How will you answer that call? Because that's what matters. God calls us every day. God has a plan for us. God has so much more in store for us than we could ever imagine. But we can so easily miss it because we want to do what we want to do. This is the first lesson I want us to understand from the road, from the life of the journey, that he has a plan for us. And you might be on a road not sure where you're going, I want to pray that God helps you find that purpose.